Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode from the Linklater's ESG Soundbite series. I'm Terry Yangzu, a Managing Associate in the London Financial Regulation Group, and today I'm also joined by my colleague, Elliot Jack. Welcome, Elliot. Hi, Terry. So in today's episode, Elliot and I will be discussing the incoming ESG-related changes which will be impacting the EU's method to product governance regime, namely what they are, the associated challenges, the publication of some very recent related guidelines, and more generally, what firms should be doing in the run-up to the November 2022 application deadline. For the avoidance of doubt, none of this legally bites UK or other third country manufacturers and distributors, but it may very well do so from a commercial perspective when dealing with EU manufacturers or distributors. So Elliot, we've been helping a number of our clients with these product governance changes. Before we look into them, why don't we begin with a basic but very important opening question. Will the ESG-related changes to the product governance regime be applying to all financial instruments? Thanks, Terry. So I think the short answer here is actually no. You know, in our view, the, the ESG amendments being introduced are only relevant to those instruments with some sort of sustainability profile. So there is an exercise to do here of understanding which current products and which future products fall into this bucket and which don't. Um, and as we've advised our clients, this is largely based on the fact that the underlying legislative text, which introduces these ESG changes to the product governance regime, uses language such as where relevant, quote unquote, um, implying there will be products for which these ESG changes will equally, it seems, not be relevant. Thanks, Elliot. That's exactly right. So now that we've set the scene a little, why don't we turn to what the primary obligations on in-scope manufacturers and distributors will be? So a firm that is a method manufacturer or distributor will, going forward, be required to define a relevant product positive target market with reference to what have been termed, and I quote, sustainability-related objectives. Now, rather unhelpfully, the underlying legislation introducing this requirement does not define what sustainability-related objectives are intended to capture here, but simply leaves that open to the reader's interpretation. Yeah, I think that's really unhelpful, actually, Terry, for, for what is arguably the most critical new obligation to the product governance regime. And it feels quite unreasonable, from my view, for, from the legislator. Agreed. And as you know very well, Elliot, our advice to date, which for the most part has been in the absence of any regulatory guidance, has been for firms to set sustainability-related objectives that are not too generic. And this is largely derived from the fact that one of the recitals in the underlying legislation provides that the target market, and I quote, the target market should set, um, be set at a sufficiently granular level. Um, and a general statement that a financial instrument has a sustainability-related profile should not be sufficient. So in real terms, what this is saying is that it wouldn't be sufficient to set sustainability-related objectives as vague as something as, for example, a product having an environmental focus or a social focus, but rather that something more granular and more refined will be needed, such as a product having, say, uh, a sustainability-related objective of reducing greenhouse gas emissions or improving forward DNI. So Elliot, we've very recently seen ESMA publish a consultation paper on these ESG changes to the product governance regime. What were your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, thanks, Terry. So my general observation would be that it is actually incredibly light touch on the topic of ESG. 
which I think is slightly unfortunate given how much we know uh, that the market has been anticipating some greater regulatory direction on all of this. But the most notable suggestion from ESMA is definitely that firms can choose, um, in other words, that they have the option to set a product's sustainability-related objectives by reference to one or more of the limbs from the method's suitability definition for sustainability preferences. In other words, um, having one, a minimum proportion of taxonomy alignment, two, a minimum proportion of SFDR sustainable investments, or three, by considering principal adverse impacts on sustainability factors. Yes, I, I'd agree with all of that, Elliot. And I guess two additional thoughts from me. Um, on, on using the sustainability preferences definition, it is all well and good that Edna puts this forward as being optional. But when you step back for a moment and consider the practical implications of this, I guess this means that manufacturers will now need to be very mindful of the fact that populating industry-led documentation, like the EMT and the EEP, could inadvertently be interpreted as them confirming the sustainability-related objectives of their product's target market. Uh, more generally, I also think it's good to have some kind of framework for what sustainability-related objectives could look like. But elements of the sustainability preference definition, and ESMA picks up on this, for example, when I quote, when they're talking about minimum proportion, are just not easily translatable to products which sit outside of the SFDR scope. So for example, when you think of things like shares, bonds, or structured products, and so on. And actually, a rather alarming risk here is that if we don't know whether a product truly has sustainability-related objectives, then firms run the risk of inadvertent greenwashing and that's just by virtue of marketing products which otherwise have baseline ESG features as having sustainability-related objectives. So Terry, how, how might firms mitigate that risk? So those firms manufacturing non-SFDR products in particular, they should ensure that they have clear internal guidelines and methodologies on all of this and that they can evidence compliance with those whenever marketing products as having sustainability-related objectives. And moving the discussion on slightly earlier, actually, what did you make of Esma's comment um, about being able to specify product sustainability-related objective by reference to the issuer of a product as an alternative to the product itself? Yeah, I, I thought this was quite interesting, actually, Terry, because, because product governance requirements, you know, as the name implies, are generally focused on the target market of the product rather than looking at the features of, of the issuer. But I guess you can see the logic more so here for your non-SFDR products in particular, where the product, you know, say a green bond, has no underlying assets of its own, as a fund would, and so can't be assessed from a product perspective, but instead has its ESG focused underpinned, I think, by reference to, you know, for example, how the issuer intends to use the proceeds generated from that issuance. Yes, and I'm rather hopeful the consultation process, Elliot, will flesh this out a little. We'll have to wait and see. So something we've not yet touched on um, is this ESG-related quirk concerning negative target market assessments. Elliot, do you mind briefly explaining what this is um, and what the ESMO consultation paper is seeking to clarify on this? Yeah, sure. So, so the crux of the issue here, Terry, is to ensure that products with a sustainability focus can be sold to investors with sustainability preferences, but also, importantly, to investors without sustainability preferences, provided that the other 
you know, non-ESG elements of target market assessment are still met. So for example, you know, looking at the client type, their knowledge and experience, their financial situation, their risk tolerance, etc. And the ESNA paper just seeks to clarify this by saying, you know, for the avoidance of doubt, that firms should by all means always perform a negative target market assessment with regard to the non-ESG target market criteria, but simply not to consider sustainability-related objectives as part of that process. And I, effectively, I think what you get for products which have a sustainability focus are two positive target markets, an ESG one and a non-ESG one, but only ever one non-ESG negative target market. Exactly. Thank you, Elliot. So we're just about approaching time. Um, perhaps I'll give a few closing thoughts on what firms should be doing between now and the November deadline to the extent such planning is not already in train. So firms should ensure that sustainability related objectives are included and clearly defined in their target market assessments and distribution strategies for products with sustainability profiles. And these should also be supplemented with sustainability factors too that can be used to measure and track sustainability related objectives going forwards. Firms should also ensure sustainability risks are being considered in the product manufacturing and distribution process and more generally ensure there is sufficient ESG information flow between manufacturer and distributor communication channels to ensure product sustainability information is flowing in both directions. Um, ongoing periodic review should also additionally consider whether the financial instrument remains consistent with its target market sustainability related objectives, but also that the selected sustainability factors generally remain appropriate measures for this. Now, whether firms should preemptively apply the ESMA consultation papers guidelines in their planning for November 2022 is a different question, and firms arguably can do so, but there is the risk that the consultation process either unwinds or takes a different approach to what the ESMA paper is currently saying, which would be quite painful potentially in having to undo elements of a product governance and new ESG bill. Right, well, on that note, um, I will say thank you to our listeners today, and thank you to Elliot as well for joining me from us. That's goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.